what I'll be talking about today is a continuation of um, what I started talking about last week. Last week, I talked about your God-given freedom. I try to help people understand that the freedom and the deliverance that God has given to us in Christ Jesus is not something we should be praying for because we already have it. So I put it this way, you know, when it comes to gaining your freedom from things that bind, things that hold you captive, things that steal your joy, when it comes to receiving your freedom, your deliverance from these things, don't wait till that day that God will come and deliver you because he has already delivered you. Now, the, the basis of the faith as believers, the basis of our faith as believers is that God has done these things for us, so we want to receive them. We want to walk in them. Ephesians 1.3, the Bible says, it's a blessed be the Father and the blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.13 says that God has delivered us. God has taken us out from under the bondage and the dominion of darkness. This is me fleshing it out, but it literally it says it this way. God has delivered you from the kingdom of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, the kingdom of darkness is a kingdom of bondage, is a kingdom of oppression, is a kingdom of possession. And if the Bible says that you have been translated into the kingdom of the Son of God, it means you have been translated into the kingdom that is opposite of the bondage, which is freedom. Kingdom of, um, of, library, okay, kingdom of light, which is opposite of darkness, right? Okay, uh, kingdom of... Um, of truth, sincerity, peace, joy, which is the opposite, or which is opposite of what the devil offers us. So if you read the even Colossians 2:10 says that you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. You know, when you if you read Colossians 2, it tells us that it's a God having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. So if you look at the blessings in the word of God, they are in the past. So the basis of the faith of the believer is to come and discover this things, this right and privileges that you have in Christ Jesus, receive them, keep trusting God that he has given those things to, the, to you, confessing them, walking in them by faith, then you see the manifestation, the physical appearance of these things. So the Christian faith is not a place you come to pray that God will do something. It's not a realm. Uh, you know, it's, it's not sometimes when you, when we pray that God should do something, you know what we're trying to say? Uh, I'm talking about the things that Christ has given to us and you want to find that there are quite a lot of them in the Bible. So when it comes to receiving the things that God has given to us in Christ Jesus, as the Bible tells us that we are now children of God, we are a member of the family of God, we are the member of the household of God. So imagine yourself living in with a family or living in your own home and your father owns everything in the home, owns everything um in the city or the, or, the, or the city or the environment you live in, and it can afford anything. So imagine yourself being a member of that family, and um, as a child of the head of that home, you are begging him to do something for you to meet your basic needs. Don't forget your father, right? This is look, look I'm using an, a more kind of a natural. Uh, scenario here. Your father, you're a member of a household and your father, which is the head of the home, can afford anything, owns everything, not even afford it, he owns everything. And you are his child. And now you are begging him, you are praying that he should do something for you. And, and he said, you know what, everything in this house is yours. 
everything in this home is yours. So is a is the richest man probably in, in that city. He owns everything and he's saying to you, because you are my child, everything is yours. And then you go to him and say, Father, please, can you give me this? He's, I believe you were thinking, uh, what, what are you talking about? Because I said, all things are yours. So the basis of the Christian faith is not to come and beg God to give you. No, he has already given you. You ought to find out what God has given to you and receive it. Right. I'll talk more about receiving in the future or as I teach, I'll, I'll call it that from time to time. So when it comes to deliverance as well, so is, we're not just talking about physical things because um, some people might just be thinking about their natural needs, but even your spiritual needs, your freedom, which is most important to God, your life of peace, right? Jesus said when he was leaving his disciples, he said, peace I give you, my peace I live with you. Let not your heart be troubled. The Bible says that God has called us to a life of peace. The Bible says that we should do everything with everything possible to live at peace with people. It's about peace, 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 peace. So um, besides natural things and natural needs, which God will provide, you know, there's more in that area, your spiritual needs, God has provided them and you just need to discover them, receive them, walk in them, believe in. Amen. So when it comes to deliverance, when it comes to freedom that God has given to us, uh, we should not be expecting uh, God to come down from heaven or one day he will free us. No, he has freed you in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that when you were fully justified, Jesus was raised from the dead. When you were discharged, um, when you were declared uh, righteous, when you're declared sin-free, Jesus was raised from the dead. It means that after all the demands of justice has been paid. So if there's anything, is it, if there's any legal reason or right for you to be punished for anything, Jesus paid all the price. So if you think there's something you have done in the past before you give your life to Christ, or even now that you're giving your life to Christ, you think there's something you have done that you deserve punishment. Uh, I'm asking now, so who should be punishing you? Is it God? Because the punishment of that sin, Jesus took it. And you should repent and receive the forgiveness that God has given to you in Christ Jesus. So if you're expecting God to punish you because you did something wrong, God is not the one who is punishing you. The devil is one who is going to make a mess of you. Amen. Because Jesus took the entire punishment for your wrongdoing. He took everything. And that's why there's no more sacrifice. There's no more Jesus coming down to hell to die for your sin anymore because he came to die and die for your, all your sins once and for all. So if somebody saying that, if somebody says to you that now, you are, now that you're born again, if you mess up, you are finished. So the question you should be asking them is this. So where is Jesus? I mean, do we need another Jesus to come? Or do, do Jesus need to come back into the earth again to die for me? But the Bible clearly makes us to understand that the death he died, he died once and for all. The resurrection, the resurrection that happened, it happened once and for all. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 6 that Jesus died to sin once and for all. And when he was raised from the dead, he, he, was, raised to the, he was raised from the dead to live unto God. Amen. So your place is identifying your role, your responsibility is to identify it. What I mean identify, identify is to look at Jesus and say, Jesus did these things for me. And everything that is uh, packaged in that deliverance, in that healing, in what happened to Jesus, in what Jesus did that belonged to me. And I'll keep trusting God until I see these things, you know, uh, manifest, become a reality in my physical life. 
Amen. Um, I tried to encourage us last week that we should uh, we should not believe after we have seen. We should first believe that God has given us freedom, has freed us from everything that oppresses. Uh, and as we believe, we will see. So we should keep believing that we have, you know, don't give up, that you have received those things that God has given to you in Christ Jesus, and then you will see them in the name of the Lord Jesus. So last week I defined uh, freedom as the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. The state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. And it'll please watch that message. I've watched it about three times or more now, and it's still blessing my heart. Amen. So last week I, talk, I talked about your God-given freedom, but for today I want to talk about the power uh, uh, freedom from a different perspective. So today I want to look at uh, exercising your God-given freedom. Exercising your God-given freedom. So, and here I'm looking at freedom from an, another definition. So it says here, the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants. The power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants. And um, there's someone who attends, um, who attends Transformers Connect. I wish they were uh, watching this uh, or, or able to get, get their hands on this uh, message because some things that we are, do address in, in the Transformers Connect on Wednesdays from 8 p.m. or some things that pop up and from people's conversation, our conversation, are one of the things I'm going to be addressing in the service today. Uh, and the reason why I call that out is because when we preach ab- or when we preach or teach about the fatherhood of God, the loving kindness of God, some people think or they say to us, let us also be very careful and let us also be mindful that God is a consuming fire and God can destroy. If you mess up, God will finish you. And um, they also say, people also say things like, you know, if we keep talking about only the good side of God, you know, people will be sinning, people will be messing up. They will not know that God has another side to him. Friends, God is not bipolar. Now, God was judging sin back in the days. And take note of that word. God judges sin because he's righteous and because sin destroys, he's not destroying people. So if people in the act of God back in the days before the time of Jesus, God was judging sin, trying to eliminate sin from the world because of how he did not want sin to eliminate, to wipe out the human race. So in certain places where there was a judgment on people, right? Why, I think Andromeda calls it, um, the, was it all indignation or something like that of God? It's to preserve humanity. You know, in some places where some people were allowed to be, killed in a sense is because they were demon possessed and if you go into the old testament i've not yet found a place where people where anyone could cast out demons and when people are demon possessed they can remember the man at the at the gadara at gadara the, the that man he was sent out of the town because nobody had right to drive out demons it was jesus when he came that he cast out devils are you me even even in saul they, they King Saul, it was recorded in the Bible that an evil spirit came from God upon Saul. That's not correct. Because God is righteous, God is holy. Let's look at it. Friends, if you're not connecting at the Transformers Connect, you are missing out, honestly. Because this is where I have the chance to really unpack certain things. But think about it. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. James chapter 1. And somebody wrote somewhere that 
an evil spirit came from the Lord upon Saul. That's not correct. And you may say, you may be asking, is the Bible not contradicting itself? No, it's not. Now, I said something last Wednesday. I said, everything, the word of God is documented in the Bible, but not everything in the Bible is the word of God. Job said, the Lord give it and take it. Is that true? No. People think, a lot of people think that God killed the children of Job. But Job said in Job 3.25, what I feared the most has finally come upon me. So what happened to Job was, was the devil coming into his life through the fear and the issues in his life. And the truth is the fear in his life. I know you have a convert, you have, you have some questions about, but the Bible says that Satan and sons of God went to God, that we need to go ask, what God are they talking about there? Right, because they are different kind of good. Or they say, Lord, what kind of Lord are they talking about there? What am I saying? All of these things. I know I'm touching on stuff, and someone say, "What are you talking about there?" So it's good. I'll leave you a suspense. Come to Transformers Connect, and we talk about those things. I get to me. But what I'm trying to call out here is this: God does no evil. Yeah. Amen. God does not do any evil to His people. God cares about us. God loves us. Amen. Amen. God, what? God loves us. So. Talking about, um, so I need to move fast a little bit here. So talking about um, exercising our God-given freedom. I feel in my spirit, the Holy Spirit is still bringing something back to my mind and I think I need to do that before I carry on. So this morning as I was meditating, the Lord asked me to give me two words for people. uh, Give me um, two words for two different things. So uh, the Lord showed me someone in my spirit this morning that, you know, there's something you want to do, but in your heart you feel you cannot do it. And the Lord is saying to me, I should tell you that you can do that thing. Yeah, you can do that. And it's not a negative thing, but you have been so much loaded with a sense of, I cannot do this thing. But God is saying that with his help, you can do that thing. You can achieve that thing. You can get that thing. Amen. So uh, whatever it is that anyone is a particular person or anyone is struggling with and they know they should do it, but they have they have been overwhelmed with a sense of inability, incapability. The Lord is saying, you know what, that is not my word in your heart. You know, and you got to rebuke that word and you got to stick step by faith because you can do that and you can achieve it. Amen. It didn't, it didn't give me too much details. Next, next one is um, uh, somebody in, somebody struggling with um, wanting to be desired. So you, and I think that this is, part, this is particularly to a lady. You know, you want men to like you. You know, um, you do understand that, you know, that desire of wanting to be desired, that wanting to be desired by people is hindering you from becoming who God has called you to be. It's taking your freedom away because you're finding yourself subject to people's opinion of you and how these men see you and how they talk to you and it's stealing your joy, right? So God is saying to you this morning that you should not seek people to desire you because he desires you, he loves you, he cares about you. God's going to sort your house when it comes to husband or, you know, trusting God or someone to be your life partner, things like that. But you need to stop enticing or attracting people to like you, to want you, right? So if, uh, if you're that person, if you want us to talk more about this, you can let me know, but the Lord wants you to call these things out. It's not, it's not an healthy thing for you to want people to like you. Or, I mean, especially in leading, uh, I mean, men to like you, to want you, to always want you. Because when one guy, one man does not give you the attention you're looking for, you go somewhere else. But, but God knows that knows that, that thing is going to lead you into captivity because somebody can easily trick you 
into their space to harm you. But God doesn't want that to harm you. Amen. Amen. So uh, let's carry on. So um, as I was saying that, you know, the things that I talked about was because of what some things that were coming out of uh, Transformers Connect. You know, some people to see God in a pattern, certain way that God kills, you know, God is a consuming fire. And I try to go into the word of God to show us that, no, 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 that that is not God. And then we see some things in the Bible, the book of Job, we see some things and we say, that's God. No, no, no. Uh, back in the days, there's evil in the world. I, was, I thought I should finish this. There's evil in the world or people did not realize that there was Satan in the world. The Bible tells us that Satan was in the world, uh, but people did not, except for the book of Job, but people did not know the devil was the one behind things. Even though the Bible kind of uh, Job said what he feared most has come upon him, yet people don't connect it that the devil was one behind it. Amen. Something, you know, Job himself said a lot of nasty things about God in his own, uh, not, you know, his, in, in his own incorrect thinking, and which he had to reprove himself towards the end of the book of Job. But the sad thing is that many believers go into the middle of the book of Job and say, you know what, this is who God is. No, that was Job's perspective of God. Amen. And that's why Jesus came to show you who God really is. And that's why the Bible tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus is the exact image of God. Jesus said, he said, the things that you see me do are the things I see my father do. So go and look at the things that Jesus did and show me in how many places that God, Jesus killed people. Before you begin to project certain things to, to, to on God. In future, I'm going to be teaching on the nature of God so that I can balance these things out. But what I'm trying to call out here is this. God is not who many of us think he is. If you want to really know God, go look at Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today I want to talk about uh, the power or right to act. I mean, exercising your God-given freedom. Amen. Exercising your God-given freedom. So we're going to go through a few uh, verses this morning. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I'll read the NIV. First Corinthians 6, 12. Now, Paul said this, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, Paul is talking about freedom from two perspectives. Don't forget the definition of freedom I'm looking at today is the power or right to act. So last week, we talked about the fact that God has given you freedom he has made you free and you just need to discover this freedom and evil spirit does not come on god upon you to punish you for your sin like was written about so that's not correct right now uh, god will not doesn't use evil to teach, to teach his people a student lesson that's not correct god and the devil they don't they don't um they don't hold executive meeting no wherever jesus sees satan and if the people are used to the authority of jesus jesus cast them out Jesus doesn't have a call, doesn't have conversation. So if you never saw Jesus and the devil talking about how do we punish Mr. Mr. Valentine because of what he did, then don't expect God to be having that conversation with the devil. So when something evil happened around you or in your life and you think God is trying to use to teach you a lesson, the devil is trying to rob you. Amen. And I can prove it everything I've got from the word of God, from my experience, I can prove it to you. Because when the devil shows up on my scene, I I I resist the devil. Now, thinking that maybe God is trying to teach me a lesson will only open the door for the devil into my life. Because even if I mess up, that conversation is not between me and the devil. Because the Bible tells us in the book of First um, John 2, right? First John 2. He said, Jesus is a... He said, if anyone of us sin, First John 1, 9, then over to First John 2. He said, if anyone sin, um, we should ask for, for forgiveness and God will forgive us of our sin. You know, um, I can't remember exactly how I quoted it. 
But you, when you mess up, you should recognize and you ask forgiveness. And the Bible says that if anyone messes up, that um, Jesus is faithful, okay, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And First John 2, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus is a propitiation, atoning sacrifice for our sins. So when the believer messes up, right, and, and because when he sins, so some people don't think, some people sometimes they don't want to use the word sin, so they use the word mess up. So um, both, both of them are using interchangeably. When you, when you disobey God, right, most of the time there are consequences because the devil take advantage of you, bring depression and all manner of things into your life. But there's forgiveness already for you because the forgiveness that Jesus, the atoning sacrifice that Jesus did for you, it's not just for you, even people who are not saved yet. Amen. God is speaking to someone this morning. Even people who are not saved yet, people who are probably committing murder and all kind of thing out there, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, I mean, has been paid for them. So if unbelievers, and you were like once, I'm not saying you were a murder or kind of stuff, but the Bible says that even while we, before we were seen, while we were yet seen as Jesus died for us. You know, I, I, I'm kind of a bit struggling here, but I, I, I want to lay down my struggle because I want to go in my notes, but the Lord is speaking to someone. So I'm like, Lord, help me. So I'm going to do what God is asking me to say, then we carry on. Let's see where we stop. So the atoning sacrifice of Jesus is not only for believers, or it's not, it's not something that, can you see now that it's not making sense, right? Because what I'm trying to say is this. Some people think now that you're born again, you mess up, that's the end of you. But the atoning sacrifice of Jesus was for people who are not saved. And nobody was saved until Jesus came to die for us and was raised from the dead. So can you now say it's not making sense when you think that you are finished when you mess up? It does not make any sense. Because the atoning sacrifice of Jesus is for your sins of the past, the present, and the future. But that does not give you right to sin. Because first, uh, because um, Romans 6, 14 to 16 says, if you are giving yourself to sin, you are giving yourself to the devil to take you as a slave. So if you are now the one giving yourself to the devil as a slave, it means that you have been made free. So if the Bible is saying to you that don't commit sin, don't, do, don't, don't disobey God. If you do that, you are giving yourself as a slave to the devil. It means that God has made you free and is telling to you don't make yourself slave to somebody else again by disobeying God. So can you now say that your freedom has been given to you already in Christ Jesus? And if you, if you and I go into slave of anything, it's because of our choice, our wrong decisions, our bad decisions. Amen. So God has made us free. He has given us freedom. So now I want to talk about how we exercise the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. How do we walk in this freedom? And Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, that it says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. So now that you have the right to act, according to our definition, our focus of, on the freedom today, now that you have the right to act, to speak, to be yourself, so the next question is, what are you doing with that freedom? And I think this is where one, uh, some people have a problem. When we, when we talk about the goodness and the kindness of God, they think we are giving people the liberty to sin. So God has given you freedom to be free, to come to him as a father, not to be, fear, not to be afraid of judgment, not to be afraid of death, not to be afraid of anything. Right? Jesus has borne all the punishment of your sin for you. So the next question is this, how are you walking in that freedom? How are you exercising that right? So Paul is saying, saying here, say, I have the right to do anything, so I am free to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So the things you are doing, the things you are using your freedom for, are they beneficial to you? 
are they helpful to anyone? The movies you watch, the places you go, the friends you keep, the company you keep, are they beneficial for your spiritual development? Because don't forget the essence of our life is the fact that Christ Jesus died for us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and he has brought us into the family of God. Because the Bible makes us to understand that Jesus died for us and we should not live unto ourselves. Selfishness. We should live for God. We should live for Christ. And one of the things it means to live for Christ is to live to do what God wants to happen in earth. The people he wants to save from, from darkness, the people he wants to show care and love for, you know, are pushing and advancing the course of righteousness on earth. Helping people to come to understand that he cares and loves them. So you and I should not be putting people into bondage by, because of our indiscipline, because we think we are free. You are free as a believer, but you don't have the right. Your right does not entail you bringing people into bondage, into trouble. You know, one of the prayers we're leading this morning, my wife led this morning during our prayer meeting, really prayer meeting, is how uh, many pastors or leaders in the church, most of the time we don't understand, uh, maybe we don't have a revelation of the fact that our conduct can hinder people's spiritual progress. When you manipulate people, when you control people, when you dominate people, when you oppress people, those attitude put, I mean, you have, you have a right, you're a free person as a pastor, as a man of God, as a prophet, whatever. You have right, you have freedom. But how you're exercising your freedom, is it beneficial to the kingdom of God? Don't forget, we are called to live for Christ, to understand what God wants us to do, wants to do through us. Because Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, God's handiwork, recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works, not evil works. So when we tell so good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do, so there's no there's no boring life in the life of every, any believer. If a believer is bored and it seems like life is helpless because they've not come to really understand or to see the things that God has call, is calling them to do. Amen. So as a prophet, as a pastor, as a preacher, whatever you do in the body of Christ, now the right you have to do those things, the freedom God has given to you, how are you exercising it? Are you using it to control people? Are you using it to oppress people? Are you using it for things that are beneficiary to the body of Christ or to benefit your own pocket? The offerings and the special seed you collect. I saw something on TV yesterday that was irritating. And a woman of God said to people that they should sow a seed of thanksgiving. And we were praying. I mean, this is, this, is, this is a church that, you know, they have thousands of members across the globe. I mean, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands. And the old congregation, with all due respect, in the foolishness of their thinking, think they should sow thanksgiving seed for God to bless them. How, I'm trying to be nice here. How unintelligent that is. How much money did you sow for Jesus to come and die for you? So now that you are born again, you think you need to sow a particular... What blessing is greater than you are delivered from the power and the dominion of sin? I repeat, what blessing is greater that, than you being delivered from the power and the dominion of sin? No, just tell me. Please tell me. What blessing is greater than that? Because these all mess the old world got into... We got into it as a result of the sin of Adam. Man originally was man, man originally was blessed, you know, blessed, 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 super blessed. He has everything going for him. He's a fat. 
it had everything. And the only thing that happened, the only thing that happened that made man to lose the peace, the joy, the union he had with God, the friendship he had with God, the relationship he had with God, the only thing, the only thing that brought poverty, the only thing that opened the door for uh, satanic attack, the only thing that opened the door for natural disaster, the only thing that happened was that man sinned against God. Mankind, he sinned against God. He submitted himself to the authority of the devil. The only thing, it was that sin. And that only thing was what Jesus came to, to deal with. Jesus came to pay for that only sin through which mankind was held into captivity. And when I'm talking about sin, I'm not talking about the sin, sin, sins you connect. It goes to Romans 5, 12 to 17. When it talks about sin, Satan came to the world. Satan became the Lord of man when mankind sinned against God. And Jesus came to deliver mankind from the power of Satan. Which means, if through the sin of mankind, Adam, the entire, the entire humanity went into captivity, then it means that through the sacrifice of one man, Jesus, everything we lost is restored. That's why we don't go asking God and begging God to give us. Because Jesus died, we receive. Because Jesus died and was raised from the dead, we are now children of God. So now that you are a child of God, no, no, so no, 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 please, please, let's have a conversation. Tell me, just tell me, if, if when you were yet sinners, not qualified to be a child of God, Jesus came to die for you. See, there was no special offering on earth that you sold or seed you sold for God to save you and to deliver you from the only one person who is controlling your life. Now you think it's paying a money to a church or doing a special something is what will make God to bless you. How unintelligent are we or how we have been duped? I was watching this church here. I was watching this. Uh, this church thing yesterday, I just stumbled on it as I was on on on, on Facebook, on YouTube. I, would, I, was, I know something just saying, watch this. I'm like, I don't really have time to but watch this. So if you are watching me right now and you're thinking, no, what sacrifice you need to pay for God to bless you? You don't believe the correct thing. It means that you do not believe that Jesus' sacrifice is all that you need to be restored to the Father. It means that you are mixing your own efforts. You are saying to God, Jesus, you know what you did is not, is not good enough. It's not complete. I still need to do those things so that I can collect the complete package. So in a sense, you are making of no effect the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Amen. So I, I like it when I release myself to the Holy Ghost and it speaks. It's, 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 so, it's so amazing. I feel so, uh, I feel so cool. Amen. <laughs> I feel so cool that, you know, saying, sharing distance that the Lord is really impressing in my heart. We're just talking about freedom. Like I said to you last week, I said, it's a journey. Amen. As, as many things the Lord brings in my heart, I'm going to address them. I think some of you just go and start reading your Bible and walk in the, walk in the will of God because as many of people will not allow those negative and evil thoughts to go. The Holy Ghost will call them out in service and I have to address them. Amen. So we're still talking about, um, we believers, how are we exercising our God-given freedom, our right to act, our right to speak? Are we using it to bring people into bondage or using it to free people? Now let's look at a few, a few more scriptures. Now First Corinthians 9, 27. 
Don't forget that Paul said, I said, I will not be mastered by anything. You know, I was, I was, corre I was corresponding that with Romans 6, 14 to 16, that you know, if you give yourself to the enemy, to disobedience to God, you will make the, that thing to master you. But God has made you free. So if any believer goes into any kind of bondage, it's by probably wrong decision or because we're misinformed. But God doesn't want you to be misinformed. Amen. For 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul said here, he said, no, I'll start from verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my sleeve so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In as much as we are free to act, to speak as believers, the Bible record, the Bible demands that we put our body under control. We restrain ourselves. Amen. We restrain ourselves. You know, one of my, one of my, one of my, I'm not looking for a, a more positive word to use here. I don't want to use the word concern. But one of my focus as a pastor is that I don't preach to other people and the people are doing well spiritually while I, as a pastor, I'm regressing. So that's why I will listen to my own message too again. I read the Bible, I pray for myself. I take my spiritual life very seriously. See, being a pastor, a preacher, does not automatically make you put in a position whereby you are a superior Christian. No, you are a simple Christian, a believer, just like everybody else. And you also should need to take your own spiritual development much more serious. This is a deception that we had when I was growing up. You just think, because you're a pastor now, you don't need to study the word of God to believe. So you study the word of God to be a blessing, to receive revelation, to bless people. But what about your life? Amen. So as a pastor, too, we need to beat our body. We need to be the, the highest level of discipline we want every church member to have. We should have much more. Amen. Because you are fundamentally a Christian, and a Christian you should be, and you shall be. Amen. And then you have many leadership responsibilities. Amen. Let's go to First Corinthians 8 now. Just go back one chapter. And I'll start reading from verse uh, 6. I'm going to wrap up here, and then we good to go. So yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. So this is the NIV. Look at that. So now I was talking, well, this is one thing I called that I, I said um, earlier on. It said, yet for us, there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came from, all things came, and from whom we live. We are supposed to be living for God, not unto ourselves. Not to amass your wealth. Friends, I, church, I plead with you. Don't manipulate and use other people for your own benefit it's evil don't because you do jesus help me lord this morning and i feel in my heart this is, a, this is a concern this is a serious concern to god let's stop living this selfish lifestyle the fact that you like something doesn't mean other people will like it before you cunningly impose what you like on other people have you taken your time to find out if they like it have you taking your time to find out if this is what God wants? So sometimes because you feel like, like singing a particular song, a praise and worship or something, doesn't mean that everybody is in that mood. 
As a pastor, I don't come here to preach what I like. I, I, I thank God for this, um, for for how it's helped me to be transparent and transparent and know when I'm teaching. You know, earlier I said to, I said to you guys, I'm struggling here because I want to stick to my note, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to people's heart. It's not my place to tell him. You know, he is one speaking to people's heart. I'm just a vessel. So if I will not be selfish and carnal, I should not be thinking of how I've laid out my notes and what I want to teach. It's about God and his people. Amen. So believers, let's stop. Let's stop. Or I try as much as possible to avoid trying to get people to do what we want. It is, a, it is a, an evil practice. It's called manipulation. Many of us have this consciousness of oh, it's about what I want. I'm going there so I can what what I can get what I want to get. Uh, but many of us actually don't think like we don't think it consciously like that. But in our subconscious mind. So this is one of the reasons why I tell people to assess their sub their their, their subconscious action. So I'm training myself. I've trained myself, and I'm still training myself to go by what my default reaction to circumstances as opposed to what I do consciously. Because my default reaction to things tell shows me what exactly is in my heart. Because the world is helping, you know, we can train ourselves, we can package ourselves to act and to speak in a certain way, which is the reason why many of us are having a front. And as a front, we, we, are, we have a mask, we have, there's a facade. I get the church family was in my house yesterday. <laughs> what you get outside, what you see at work is what you get inside. And I'm not, I'm not a sanctimonious pastor like, oh, the Lord bless you. I told them as to how I was having a rough time at work. And I said, some people better not come to me and talk to me like that again because we're going to have a conversation. Now, the fact that I'm a Christian doesn't mean you can walk over me. No, I'm not, a, I'm not dumb. Because you people will not arrive. I mean, talking about the workplace now, whatever is not good for the white is not good for the black. Whatever is not good for the male is not good for the female. So nobody should come and mess things up. We will have the conversation. So there's a particular instance whereby I was not acting nice, even though I'm a pastor. Yes, I'm telling you, I was not. I didn't act nice. I didn't respond nicely. I get him. I had to go back and caution myself that you, know, you can't allow those people to, you know, to bring you into their own level whereby it's like competition. I, I said, you know, I had to repent. I said, Father, okay, I'm sorry. I apologize to a particular person at work, and I said, you know. I'm gonna be I'm gonna stand my ground as a rock and I'm not gonna allow you guys to make me to act like you. Amen. So that's on sincerity and honesty. Praise the Lord. So we live for Christ. We're not supposed to live for ourselves. So believers, I plead with you. Don't do things for you. Don't like I said, I'm struggling. Um I'm, I'm, I'm struggling again here because I feel like the Lord wants me to really, really emphasizes and I'm looking for words to really express it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop using people to get what you want to get. It's evil. It's manipulation. It's a devil who works, who hides that way. Let's stop it. Let's start training ourselves to think about other people. It looks sort of, but it's evil. <laughs> And I'm seeing things in my spirit as I'm speaking. It's evil. You know when you go to a place, you go, you slide into a place and you are saying things nice, but because it's something that you want to get to so you, you direct a lot of conversations because of the carnal desire, things that you want. It's evil. That's the word, the word that you say. It is the nature of the devil. It's something that we have taken from the, from the sinful nature before we were born again. It's of the devil. Think about other people. The Bible says that whatever we do should be for the benefit of others. 
Because when Jesus came to die for us, he did not die for us for himself, but for us, that we may be restored to the Father. Amen. Uh, so let me read that verse 6 again. So yet for, yet for us, there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came, and from whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came, and through whom we live. Amen. The verse 9 says, uh, let me go this. I, I, I think I, let me read verse 7 said, but not everyone possesses this knowledge some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god and since their conscience is weak it is defied we're talking about that in future verse 9 says be careful however that the exercise of your rights this is where the title of this message came from the exercise of your rights the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak because the whole story around there is that some people you know uh there were it was about food being offered to idols and believers know that there's no idol there's no other god god is all god is almighty god created all things and he can you know he's created these animals so for us to eat and to enjoy but in a certain situation in this particular instance you know uh some new believers who are who so some believers could eat you know, they do eat and you know eat and some believers will just give their life to christ with the new believers are like you know we're not supposed to be doing these things but they don't have understanding right uh, but i don't want to really dwell on it because um, because of my time but i was trying to bring it to our everyday life here there's some things that you know that are not you know probably you know they're not a big deal but how is it affecting other people because it's not just only about manipulating other people, but there's some things that you and I know that, well, there's no big deal in that. But the thing is that the people walking around you, you know, the people growing up, have their level of knowledge come to that point. I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. Uh, well, personal, the personal preference one. And secondly, you know, now being a responsible person and being a leader in the Christian faith, I know there's a lot of divide on the use of alcohol. I mean, is it a sin? Is it not a sin? Right. But even if I like wine, but because I know that young people, but not many believers are mature enough to be able to draw the line when they should not drink in excess. But if they see pastor drink alcohol, ah, pastor is drinking alcohol now. So I know some actions, some things that I can do that are not sinful, but will lead many of my church family members astray or young men looking up to me. Whatever you know that the world has abused, it may not be sin, it may not be wrong, but the thing is, is it beneficial for other people? I'll not take alcohol for any reason. No. I've been to pastor's house where, where I'm offered alcohol, beer to drink. I said, it's not happening. I've been, I've gone out with my friends, colleagues at work. Yes, give me some time here. Let's, let's have fun here. I've, I've gone around um, colleagues at work and everyone tried to get me into it. Like, just try it. I said, no, I'm not having it. Those guys respect me so much. Like, we've, we've gone out to, to, the, to the pub, you know, to drink, to, ha- to catch up, you know, to talk, to talk about work and things. And... <laughs> They've not been able to try to tell me to try something. I said, no, I'm not having it. No, it's sweet. See, the alcohol is, is very small. It's not about, but it's sweet. It's something that we drink in, in our country. It's very nice. And people will try it around. I said, I'm not having it. And when people didn't did realize that that was my trademark, right? Then you see senior, senior colleagues saying things like, oh, you're a very good man. You're a very good guy. It's not that I like alcohol. I said, no, you didn't explain yourself. <laughs> so what can we, what things are we doing that are not sinful. So, now, God does not judge you by your dressing, right? But in the society we live in right now, you know, wearing revealing clothes is a way of communicating something to the opposite sex and to entice people. 
there are cultures and places out there that you know what they don't have much clothing there's a way to dress things like that but in the community and society in our communities and our societies that we live in even in yours because so when we are trying to be manipulative about the word of god we are deceiving ourselves and we're harming ourselves so let me speak to you ladies ladies so you like to show your legs you like to show cleavages right you like to you like to you know, it doesn't bad, it's not bad if you slit your gown or your dress to your hip. It's style. <sighs> do you watch movies? So this is why I like to have CB face to face. Do you watch movies? So ladies who slit their dress to the hip or to the waist. And when you know, in the movies that we watch, what, so what scenarios is being played around them? What do they do? You see the camera, you know, the camera come on the legs and it goes through the line and you see how men are responding. No, no, I don't want to insult all this man because that's not my intention. But just, I think it's just intelligent that we know the society we live in right now, certain way of dressing is provocative and they are encouraged to entice people to look at us ungodly. You know, it's just, I'm trying to use the word, some of you may get offended. Okay, common sense. It's just common sense. So I'm using the word common sense so that when you're dressing, it's not to make you feel bad, but let's just talk about it. See, God does not judge you by your sin, right? And people should have, should be responsible for their own way of thinking how they look at you. But you and I cannot say we are not aware that our dressing and our actions impact other people. Okay, it doesn't. Okay, that's fine. That is why when you were sh- when you were revealing everything, all men were looking at you. And do you, you want to tell me that men have not been walking up to you to to invite you to do something ungodly? And, and then you react and say, "What do you mean?" No, no, no. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. You, that is what you advertised to him, and that's you invited him. That's the message you communicated. So are we trying to say that we don't understand that our dressing, our actions, the tone of our voice is communication? Are we saying we don't we don't we don't understand there's non-verbal communication? What? What, what are we talking about here? <laughs> I'm glad you guys can see my face. You know, I'm not angry <laughs> because my this one of my voice can be interesting. No, 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 no. Amen. I think God is speaking to people's hearts today because Christians, this attitude of excessively exercising our freedom and not thinking of how it's affecting other people is a way where we are is a kind of way that we are allowing the devil to walk through us to bring other people down. So the people that Jesus came to save, the people that Jesus is busy through other people, nurturing, raising, building up, you, because of your carnality, you and I, because of our carnality and ungodliness and selfishness, we are, in, and the fact that we can, we, we can exercise our freedom, we can do whatever we, we like, we are bringing people into bondage to captivity. It's not right. I guess I mean, our right, our knowledge should not be a stumbling block to other people. I said, God does not judge you by your dressing. Yes, but your dressing should not be a stumbling block for other people. So let's stop it. Let's stop it. Let's be sensible. Let's be mature. Let's step up. Let's, let's wake up. Let's stop, let's stop acting as if we are not aware of the impact of this. Thing. Let's stop. Let's stop deceiving ourselves. Let's stop it. You know, you want this very, very tight scared to get men's attention because women have opened up to me and tell me that I used to get trying to get attention. And I know some people are trying to get attention because they have issues low self-esteem. But we can, if you need help in that area, we can talk about it. I'm going to help a lot of people in that area as we go forward. But let's stop acting as if we don't know that this is affecting people. Because 
besides the fact that you're, you, it's affecting other people or making people to stumble, it's also destroying you much more because you're trying to fulfill an ungodly desire. You're entertaining it. You're encouraging it. Amen. As I close, verse, 20, verse 12 says, when you sin against them in this way, you know, wounding people, weak people, a lot of men are vulnerable because of the exposure, or man ungodly exposure on TV and media, a lot of men are weak and vulnerable in these areas. And then you as a lady, you, be, you pretend as if you're not aware and you let these guys to struggle unconsciously, to struggle with no one to come around you, no one to touch you, no one to do this. Come on, let's stop it. And the same thing goes with men. You know, a lot of women are vulnerable. They've been abused. They've been controlled. And then you come and say the things they like to hear so that you can, you can, you, you can take them into your space and use them. Let's stop it. It's evil. I'm a pastor. I deal with a lot of vulnerable women. It's shocking how vulnerable men and women are. It's not any reason right for me to then just, just exploit. It's evil. Amen. Amen. Verse 13 says, Therefore, if what I eat, let me add it to you, what I wear, what I see, where I go, causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. That should be the trademark of every believer. If there's anything you will do, if there's anything you could do that will make others to fall, you should not do it again. Should I replay? Should I rewind? Okay, let me rewind. Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 8. Therefore, if what I eat for you, what I wear, where I go, causes my brother or sister to fall into sin. I think one problem is that we don't see believers as brother and sister. We just see them as somebody existing. We'll talk more about that in the future. I will, Paul said, I will never. Is meat, is, isn't it meat is sin? No. But Paul is saying that if eating meat is what will make other people, can, can you see, can you see how the, can you see what a Christian life is like? We are not called to live unto ourselves. So when I don't want to find myself in situation whereby people can misinterpret, it's not because of me, because I know I'm not doing anything bad, anything wrong. So, but what about the weak believer who is there? I go around, I'm dancing, I'm dancing with women. Okay, I don't have anything with them, but pastor, what do, I don't understand. Amen. So Paul said, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. That should be the focus and the drive of every believer. Thanks guys for coming to church this morning.